This week, our episode's a little bit different as it is actually a Q&A. We're gonna hear a little bit more about my background, Jag of all trades, uh, and as I answer questions that you guys sent over social media, and also hear some hot takes that I have. Now, curious wondering why we're doing episode number 12. Well, 12 episodes, uh, there's 12 donuts and a dozen of donuts, and everyone knows that a dozen of donuts is probably one of the greatest things on this planet. So I decided, why not? I hope you all enjoy the episode this week. Question one. Why did you even create this podcast and make us listen to this? So, I actually created the Jag of All Trades as really a way for me to better connect myself within uh, quarantine as well as really help develop my public speaking skills. To provide a little context, I... For a long period of time in my life, I really grew up with a speaking disorder and it was really hard for me to effectively communicate. I often slurred my speech, had very fast-paced speech, like cluttering, and I actually had to go take speech classes in order to get it up to speed, or get to appropriate speed. So through those experiences, I really felt left behind and just felt like the education system around me was just classifying me as someone uh, who was basically labeled as different and I just wanted to overcome this and wanted to find ways that how could I better my speech not just be a statistic so I did a lot of public speaking opportunities joined a lot of clubs in my high school and in college to making sure that I could meet with a bunch of amazing people being able to take a leadership role so I can effectively communicate and better understand who exactly are some key stakeholders and understand how to interact with them. So as you all have known with COVID, everything's been remote. I haven't done as many really high level communications, not talking to my friends on a daily basis and it's taken a little toll on me. So I decided, all right, spring semester, why don't we do a podcast? And I basically talk to some of my close friends who are doing amazing things in society, talk to people I meet on Clubhouse, Twitter, Instagram, mutual connections, just people who are doing really cool things and being a leader there. And I'm always a big person who really believes that you are a mixture of everyone's personality who you surround yourself with. So I really like this podcast, able to meet new people, see how they think, how their mind works, and as well as being able to effectively communicate. All right, there's a few of y'all who actually listen to the episodes in full, so shout out to you. But I actually see this a lot for my personal benefit, just to really keep in contact. I really appreciate those people out there who are willing to listen to this, get this advice, and as well as really providing feedback. Like, it means the world to me. So this is exactly kind of why I started the Jack of All Trades. Plus, I've always been a proponent that you got to keep yourself busy because the busier you are at times, the more you really enjoy your downtime. Second question, why do you talk about the NBA a lot on your podcast? So I actually uh, like talking about the NBA a lot because, I mean, that's kind of like my favorite thing about the downtime. Huge fan of basketball. Really appreciate just... Growing up, especially around an immigrant household, basketball was one of the cheapest sports you could play after soccer. 
and I really found a passion and love for basketball just because it's a way that people from different backgrounds, different creeds could connect with each other and I also developed a pretty good shot at a young age. I'm a pretty good three-point assassin so y'all don't want to play against me on the court and also I have a killer hook shot so I had to talk about the NBA because I mean I used to play a lot of engage with the NBA community play a lot of 2k and uh, really just that's my, my go-to downtime if I've had some time with my friends we just talk about NBA big trades going on and as well as like players who ball out and give their all so I mean end of the day ball is life Next question, LeBron James or Michael Jordan? Y'all really are coming out of these like curveball and tough ones. So, short answer right now, I'm gonna say Michael Jordan, but I can see Le- LeBron has the opportunity to overtake Jordan as the GOAT. And here are my two sons. So, this is a very close, but the reason why I chose Michael Jordan was because of the 2011 NBA Finals. Jordan actually is notorious not having a losing record in the Finals, but also that being said, he couldn't get past Detroit uh, Pistons, the bad boys of Isaiah Thomas, Dennis Rodman, Joe Dumars for a few seasons. Couldn't get past them, and it basically was his kryptonite. Uh, But once he developed his game past them, he was unstoppable. What I see with LeBron was he took some pretty okay teams to the NBA Finals, like a team that do a Cinderella run. Players who are on those teams who are listening right now, first of all, thank you for listening. But when you think of a great NBA team, you think of multiple stars, high caliber talent on that team. LeBron's first team he made to the playoffs was the 2007 Cleveland Cavaliers. And I'm pretty sure the other star player on that team was either Mo Williams and, or Antoine Jameson. And uh, if you don't know who they are, that's my point being. Afterwards in 2011 with he was Miami, that one was probably his, a lot of it was his fault, I would say, just because he didn't perform as well in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's unfortunate with all superstars because we have high expectations of them. But afterwards, after he won his first ring, he won his second win. The one against San Antonio in 2013-14 just was fatigue and carrying the team. And then the behemoth against Golden State. If Michael Jordan played against Golden State Warriors, if that 95-96 uh, Bulls played against that Warriors team, plus with Kevin Durant, I honestly think the Warriors would win a best-of-seven game series. So that's why I would say LeBron basically had tougher competition with the Golden against Golden State Warriors. If the Warriors didn't have that super team, I think LeBron would have gotten at least another more ring. And what he did with LA last year was great. But enough on like the stat side, I think because of Michael Jordan, what he did for the game, his impact outside for like the shoe game itself. I think he basically was the cream of the crop for a lot of players in the current generation that were balling, that they grew up watching Jordan, they grew up watching Bird and Johnson. If LeBron were to, and if the Lakers and the Nets were to meet in the finals this year, and LeBron beats the Brooklyn Nets, LeBron is the GOAT. There is no debating that after this, because 
literally who can beat the the Nats with Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Blake Griffin, Aldridge, and uh, DeAndre Jordan. Like that is basically the 2013-2014 and like Western Eastern All Stars. Like that's how good of a caliber they are. Next question, uh, with or hot take in this case, rugby is better than football. This is a tough one. So both, I would say, are very high demanding intensive sports. Rugby players, actually my cousin was a rugby player and he could bench me when I was like, when I weighed 140 pounds, he could bench me. And I was like, what the heck, this is insane. So rugby players are kind of built different and also they don't wear a lot more productive gear so they get a higher injury rate. That being said, if I'm ever in a fight with a rugby player versus or a football player, well, I just know one thing to be certain, I'm just going to get knocked out. If I had to choose one, I would say American football is better because I am born and raised in the United States. I basically watched American football most of my life, played backyard football with my friends. I And also because my parents would be more appreciative of me playing backyard football versus playing backyard rugby. Uh, but I've worked with coworkers in... Ireland and also I think it's working with like UK and South Africa and rugby there is like second nature so uh, I would say if I had a choice to watch one of them I would watch football American football because it's a sense of familiarity but I'd be open to watch rugby so if anyone wants to watch rugby with me please let me know and I'd be happy to watch a match hot take number two Business degrees are useless. Okay, so I wouldn't disagree with this, but I wouldn't fully agree with it. And my points are the following. So, provide some context, I'm studying an engineering major, so take my uh, insights with a grain of salt. I'm actually studying industrial engineering to be exact. But I've interacted with a lot of my peers who are business majors at business schools and just interact with the environments over there. In addition to, I do spend a lot of time in business schools and heavily involved with business clubs, organizations, and ventures on my campus. I honestly joke around that I'm actually more of a business student than my friends who are business students. But my uh, argument is business majors do get a lot of quote-unquote crap for their workload and how much they sometimes complain. I know at my university, they, there's like no Friday course classes. Outside of university classes, they're notorious for partaking in the collegiate culture, as I would, would say it, and really typical let's say fraternity boys at times when you think of someone who isn't a frat you think oh they're in business school and i think sometimes business majors get a bad rep because of a small minority but that being said there's some degrees like i think you can't really you can teach by yourself but it'd be hard so like for example finance accounting supply chain and like data analytics slash mis 
those are all degrees that if you want to master those you, you need to get hands-on experience and our education system is at a point where in order to do that you need to be enrolled in the business school you need to be enrolled in the credit university and then there's also on the contrary other degrees like marketing entrepreneurship which i think are are great degrees to supplement another technical degree with but i wouldn't ideally study purely marketing or entrepreneurship unless you're doing something else on the side so those are kind of like my insights in the type of degrees uh, are they fully useless? Business degrees, I would say, your content is going to be the same across the whole whole country because, I mean, with the internet, everything's publicly available. Like, I, you can learn about a financial income statement on Google right now. Like, that's how I kind of learned about that. I did it before my test and I got an A on my finance test there. You don't need to go to a full university for unlearning the models. That being said, what business schools offer that other uh, alternatives may not offer would be your network and your connections. Your ideally, if you are paying to go to college or your parents paying or other ways, scholarships, you're basically going to college for the single reason of building your network, building the connections and taking that investment to develop yourself, develop the relationships and really understand who you are. So for example, um, East Coast schools, uh, Wharton, Stern, Columbia Business School, all of those universities are notoriously known for getting people into Wall Street. And I mean, if you're interested in getting to Wall Street, the obvious goal is to get into one of those universities, study finance, study accounting, study some sort of business there, and really understand like it's more than just like what you learn in the classes, but what you, how do you apply it outside and who do you know outside. So for advice for anyone who's like considering setting a business degree know where you want to go understand your reason why so i would say understand the market who are some alumni from that university who are some companies that were started from that university what's the ecosystem like what are the club offerings who comes to recruit there those are all things that you should be back of your mind and consider and then from there you should study like why you want to study a subject and not encourage studying some sort of technical like finance, accounting, supply chain, MIS, data analytics, because you would be be able to get kind of develop yourself into business analyst role and you build that analytical skill set that's essential to basically any job now. At the end of the day, I also think it comes down to how I can learn from classes and how can you apply that to real life ventures real life experiences and really better develop yourself because you're paying to get that experience of being surrounded by thousands of bright minds and building ideas and bouncing things off. And then if you have an opportunity to do some sort of entrepreneurship, venture capital, uh, work with startup, do that. It adds so much more value to your degree and your education. You learn infinitely more about an industry you're passionate about. For example, if you're interested in finance and you enter a fintech startup, you learn about how finance, consumer technology, models, and user experience all integrate into one to create a perfect solution. So just keep that in mind. I'm not saying don't go to business school, don't go to school. I think business school is a great option, great pipeline, great successes, and I know a lot of people who are there, love their courses, love the engagement. And I think 
it's just depending on like, what you really want to study and what you want to get out of your uh, collegiate career. Because end of the day, you're paying to get that experience. Next question. If you're interested in starting a startup, would you rather join an early stage startup or start your own idea? That's a great question. I don't think I'm the expert for this because I actually haven't officially started around startup, but I would recommend if you have an idea that you want to go after and you have something tangible, if you can make a business plan out of it, if you can basically put your heart and soul into it and not need to say motivation to continue working on it, go for the startup because end of the day, that would be much more rewarding because something that you're working on. If you want to get experience, learn a whole lot about how businesses work, get yourself involved in early stage venture or early stage uh, company. And you can do that by looking at venture capital firms, websites, looking at portfolio companies, go on AngelList, Techstars, YC. Basically, there's plenty of resources out there that you can go check and it's free for everyone like you can go in there's no barriers of entry but ideally with the when starting your own company what i noticed is that the people who do the founders are so all committed to the idea they're committed to it they're they're passionate about it. they that's what they live and breathe every day like when i talk to founders on um, the jack of all trades they're the ones who are staying up the really late hours they're the ones who have like the deep work schedules in their in their daily weekly plans those are people that are willing to give all their all out. And if you're not able to don't want to do that, or if you're not really wanting to hustle for it, I wouldn't say starting your startup is the best thing right away. If you want to get experience, early stage startup, 100%. You learn a lot. You take multiple different roles. I've worked at an early stage and a later stage startup, and I really enjoyed just learning more about putting multiple different hats on and really having experience such as an intern just to know what it feels like to start your own company and to work on an idea not only start your own company but know how to work an early stage company put in multiple hats and also have some sort of ownership so that's my two cents if you were looking to do startup versus a corporate job one thing i've noticed is that uh when i mean corporate job I mean like a public company private companies or startups are they don't have public shares available and oftentimes some companies will pay employees in equity if you're familiar with what equity is think about like tesla stocks like if stocks go up think of equity as stock in a company but only a few individuals can purchase them or obtain them so if that equity goes up even higher you and if that goes ipos let's say that you join a company when it shares one dollar per share and then like 10 years down the road it ipos at about 20 dollars a share well your number of shares just from like your initial joining point 20x so that's something to keep in mind but also in uh the public companies larger companies you have your brand recognition like more people would probably recognize with those bigger names than maybe with a startup unless like you're a really popular unicorn so those are like my two cents or three cents over there. Put a question going back to academics. So who is your favorite teacher slash professor in college that you've had so far? 
I would say my favorite, favorite professor that I've had in college, like two of them, who really kind of shaped the way I think and really have really inspired me to go to the next level. So my first professor was my physics professor my freshman year. I had it for two semesters for both physics one, which was like your mechanics, and physics two, which is electric and magnetism. Uh, it's basically the one that you do calculus in. That's the best way to describe it. But well, I was able to interact with my professor outside of class to go to office hours. Actually, our university had a uh, had a voucher like you can go take your professor to lunch. So a couple of my friends and I actually met with him at lunch, discussed their life, he gave us amazing life advice, and also played racquetball with him. So basically, I was on good terms with my professor, but. What he really taught me was just understanding you don't need to know everything. You don't need to know, memorize that physics is just like the, all the equations. You need to know how to apply them. You need to know that you're, if you study, say, physics, you're not going to be struck to doing physics for your whole career. He told me like, his daughter that did physics ended up going to work in investment banking. Absolutely kind of different field, but the skill sets you'll learn are completely different. So I would say... He kind of really encouraged us to be really understanding all the skills that we have, being proud, being accomplished, and like you guys are intelligent. You guys know your self worth and go out and prove it. So that's why probably my favorite professors I've had on my college campus, and plus he would always be willing to chat about just normal stuff in life. My other professor was my sophomore year, my operations research uh, class. Also, had for two semesters, uh, and what I remember was my first day in that class. He basically introduced us, like he introduced himself to us. He was his first semester teaching undergraduates, I want to say, and uh, we were just like, okay, what are we expecting it to? So we discussed kind of like what, oper what operations research is, like what applications and discusses about himself and then tangents into a bunch of like fun uh, icebreaker activities that relate to operations research. And then finally I remember the one like statement he said that first day is, in this course you are going to struggle and it's normal, like I'm expecting you guys to struggle. And that kind of was like a red flag to me, it's like oh wow, like what does that mean? But what I remember is that course, the struggle he went through, like doing the class homeworks applications of like different mathematical models was really invaluable because you'll learn really the math the theory behind how to think about problems the theory behind how to solve these complex problems and like what are ways that you can better like see operations in the real world so he would really help me to better understand like and be really personal about it also he was in the words of a Gen Z, uh, he was a G. Absolute amazing human being. Uh, I would always talk to him just about myself at life. Just talk about, uh, let's say, like one time there was a fire alarm that went off in our apartment at 4 a.m. and it office hours at 8 a.m. and I was supposed to go to there and I pulled up a little bit late. I just told him like this is what happened. Like I had, an off I had a fire alarm go off at 4 a.m. And I was like half asleep. I went back and I just slept in a bit. And he told me about his experience when he was in a PhD student. Exactly the same thing happened with him. We just 
chatted about that and also just kind of chatted about soccer, uh, chatted about life outside of court classes because he really also valued the work-life balance. And that was something that I'm, I'm going to take for me the rest of my life. So anyone's really listening to this still, uh, key things to know is know your self-worth and then also important to the work-life balance and the soft skills behind. Ooh, this question's be really good. Non-fungible qu- tokens or NFTs, are they here to stay? So for those who don't know, NFTs or non-fungible tokens are basically creations, pieces of artwork, JPEGs, uh, anything that isn't fungible, which means like you can't trade it and have something exactly the same thing. So like you saw, if you've seen in the news recently, like you have rookie editions of NBA cars going for insane valuations. You're having, I think there's a piece of artwork by, uh, was it Beeble or, no, no, the artist's name, went for around 69 million euros or, or dollars. It went for a lot of money. And what really kind of uh, is really shocking people is that this is not really sustainable or this is something that we've not seen before. But what I've done from my understanding is that it's very blockchain oriented and it just basically adds an extra level of say security and as well as extra level of uh, integrity to confirm that this product is an original. And I think especially nowadays where you have markets such as like the shoe, the sneaker culture industry, which is focused on authenticity and uh, creating integrity within its products, I think that NFTs could be the same thing for the music or art industry. And also I noticed that a lot of these artists, uh, they actually are are able to purchase them directly to the artist. Like you're not able to have a middle person at times. So this could also eliminate a lot of the middle people within uh, the art or music industry. So I think NFTs are here to stay. Are they gonna have crazy valuations for artworks that are maybe a little bit unjustified at times? Uh, I don't, I think it's gonna kind of get back to more of a say a somewhat concrete normal level, but I mean the normal could be 69 million dollars for pieces of artwork because there's a high demand for it so old economics will tell that over time but i think nfts are here to stay there's huge applications especially in creating content but maybe also in uh, legality with like paperwork uh legality with big births uh certificates proving that you have something that's your own copy instead of like forging stuff so I think NFTs could be a really a very valuable industry going forward. I think ideally that was what made cryptocurrency super attractive in 2017, 2018 was that the blockchain technology behind it was secure. It was not really seen before in industry. And now you're seeing this within like consumerism. I think this because of like over the last few years, what we're seeing the evolution of blockchain this is definitely uh, something that's going to here to stay. Ooh, we got a interesting one here. So, favorite book, uh, music, speech, 
any article in the past that you've noticed that really helped shape to who you are today. So I'm going to be frank with you, I've not read as many books as I wanted to in 2021. I would say I actively was reading in 2020 for a bit, and then, yeah, around New Year I just stopped, but so my book recommendation would be a little bit old, but a few books that are must-reads, I would say, especially for people who want to do some sort of business or entrepreneurship, and that's not maybe a software company, read Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. You can have your opinions on Nike, but the book itself goes through the whole entrepreneur journey. And it doesn't show the glorification, the glamour of like, oh, once you made it, this is what happens. It shows the struggles. It shows what you go through. So I would say that book has really shaped me in terms of an entrepreneur I want to be and someone who I want to come the journey I want to take at times, just going through, enjoying the journey and living it and as well as making the most of everything happening there. Another book that I really love is Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I actually even I need Navy SEAL book, but the reason why I said this one about David Goggins is because he's very real. He tells you and gives you advice on how he's able to overcome some struggles in his life and how you can apply this framework to your life. And such for me, I read that during a time where I was very lost and confused trying to find myself and it really shaped me to be more disciplined shaped me to really understand how I could use uh, my energy I have per day instead of wasting on frivolous things how I can make the most of my life so David Goggins can't hurt me would actually let's go be a book that will fire you up get you excited get you motivated do anything so read that if you have a time Okay, we got a question back to basketball. Jalen Suggs next LeBron James. So I'm recording this after the championship game between Gonzaga and Baylor. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be frank with you. I was a little disappointed Gonzaga lost. I think they definitely are a team that they've gone through a lot the last 20 plus years under Mark Few. And they really deserve to win a championship soon. But what I saw on the court today was just not the Gonzaga that I know. But overall, back to the question, I don't think if Jalen Suggs is the next LeBron James, he's the next superstar 100%. He reminds me of a Damian Lillard. And even though like Damian went to a smaller school and get heavily recruited and had that chip on his shoulder, Jalen plays with the exact same or similar intensity where with the flip of the switch, Jalen Suggs can basically change the game. He controls the game, and he's still very young too, which is very, which is promising. And you develop that IQ at a young age, and once you develop that, you get older and older. You become more wise with the decisions. You become stronger with what you want to do and how you control the game itself. So seeing Jalen Suggs already has the fundamentals there. I think it'd be promising, maybe looking to a next Damian Lillard. I see him being a superstar, give him about three years to get and make the, at least three, at most three years making the all-star team, and then five years to be a super, superstar at most. Now, I don't want him getting injured at all, so 
fingers crossed the has an amazing career and if he stays at Gonzaga another year hopefully he wins a championship with them ooh it's a fun question walk me through your day in the life yeah so a day in my life so to start things off I go to sleep at really ungodly hours at times because I am a night owl so I basically sacrifice some of my early mornings to stay up later to finish up some work. But usually for me, I get up between 8 to 9.45. Uh, I try to, I aim to get up by around 8.30 because my classes start around 9, uh, around 9 to 10 some days. I should mostly start at 10. But I make sure I get up early or get up then. I check some of the news on my phone, emails, if anything's like any fire thrown out, I will fix that there and then. But afterwards, get ready to do quick exercise, jump in, get ready to get a shower, freshen up. And then afterwards, I uh, do check my, get my laptop, check emails, see what happened overnight in the morning big updates, things are coming up on my calendar, making sure I'm up to date with that. Then I do classes for about two hours. Uh, afterwards, around noon, that's when I probably will start eating breakfast or eating lunch because I do intermittent fasting, so it's my first meal of the day. Actually, I try to do intermittent fasting, better way of saying it. So then get some lunch, or make some lunch. Sometimes family member makes lunch for, and we just share. Uh, afterwards, going back to some work so if I have like an essay an assignment due up in an hour or so we're doing that otherwise if I have meetings I'll take those usually in the afternoon make myself a vegetable smoothie because I need to get my veggies in somehow uh, afterwards there finish up a meeting so around 12 like 1 to 4 or 1 to 5 I have basically meetings then uh, five, I aim to get some sort of exercise in, so five to six, I'm either out on a run, if it's nice, on an elliptical, doing a HIIT workout, basically getting some energy, I mean, burning some calories to get help for the, to kind of help conquer the rest of the night, and then I'll take a quick shower there too, freshen up, and then rather than like six, 30, finish up some like last minute work, eat some dinner, spend some time with family, and then right around 8, I will then start like the eve the later stage of my day, which is from like 8 to 2 a.m. is when I basically get some more deep work done. If I need big projects to do, schedule those out so I can finish those, finish up some homeworks, and then around 1.30 is when I basically realize that I start winding down and then 2 a.m. I aim to be up in my bed and sleep and I get another solid few hours before the next day. So I need to change that, but you know, quarantine's got me adjusting this some sort of like Pacific time uh, calendar, but overall, it just joy, I'd make sure to enjoy some of the most stuff I have in my life. And also, if anything pops up, I'd have some flexibility in my calendar so that I can postpone things or push things back a bit. East Coast, West Coast, Midwest, or the South? 
That's tough. So, Midwest, I'm um, half is basically close to home. Grew up around the mid, grew up in the Midwest. Uh, but I'm a big fan of West Coast, big fan of East Coast, and I like the South as well. But if I have to choose one, I would choose West Coast is one of my favorite places, just because the I love mountains, and also I love the ocean. Plus, the environment there is really ch- relaxed. So I would love to say West Coast, uh, ideally Northern California to like say Seattle. I'm a really huge fan of also drinking coffee. Uh, love the culture in Seattle, and then Pike's Place is definitely such a fun and vibrant environment. But I, I just like the overall mixture of mountains, ocean, and smell of the sea and coffee together. So I choose West Coast there, and more particular in Seattle. So West Coast might be best coast. That being said, South is a great place. With uh, I, I'm a big fan of Waffle House. So I love Waffle House. Probably one of my favorite fast food restaurants. I love the South because of that. East Coast, New York is basically New York is my favorite cities in the world. And then I've explored too much of like Boston. I did some Philly and DC, and both those areas are very, very, uh, very unique, and also in terms of like I, I'd be happy living there. So, I uh, like the East Coast, but West Coast has West Coast, best coast mountains make it for me. Last question: What's your go-to shoe? So I did cover this in one of my previous episodes. But for me, my go-to shoe for the whole year-round, I'm a pretty big fan of uh, Grey Runner Allbirds. I honestly think that they are very both stylish, super comfortable, and can be very versatile. Either you can wear them casually, wear them in a some sort of like somewhat business casual environment and then also you can enjoy walking in them so i really like that for versatility if i could just wear a pair of shoes not worry about them getting dirty 100 percent be jordan ones i really just like the way they you feel at times and it just has that swagger when i was a little kid i look at like my older cousins i look at people wearing jordan ones i thought wow that was really amazing and I'd always look at the price and be like, that's crazy. So when I saved enough money, I basically got myself a pair uh, just because it just was sentimental to me. Plus, they always have great color combinations and sh- uh, sneaker heads, recognize sneaker heads. So that's kind of like my two cents over there. And it's a wrap. Thank you for everyone who sent in questions and really was helpful for helping continue this conversation. Thanks again for tuning into the episode. I really appreciate it. I hope you all learned something really important and can use this information today to help better yourself and achieve your life goals. If you don't mind, would you be willing to either leave a rating on this episode Share this episode with a friend who may be interested, or always interact with us on our social media to make sure we can help better improve ourselves. And remember, keep grinding, 
hustling and making the most of the cards dealt to you.